Stars are very cute, but the Chinese, I find a bit ironic. Hello, everyone. Matt here, and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today, I'll be covering episode 309, entitled Stranger in a Strange Land. This is the 58th hour of the series. There are 63 to go. With that, let's jump straight into the Wikipedia summary for this episode. In flashbacks, Jack is in Phuket, Thailand, where he meets a local woman named Achara. The two soon enter into a relationship. After finding out that she works in a tattoo parlor and claims to be able to see people as they really are, Jack demands that she give him a tattoo. Achara is hesitant to give him a tattoo, but she does so anyway and tells him there will be consequences. Next morning, he's beaten up by her brother and other locals who tell him to leave. On the island, Sawyer and Kate begin the episode on Alex's canoe with an unconscious Carl paddling away from Hydra Island. Kate suggests they return, however Sawyer refuses. Kate and Sawyer land on the main island and question Carl about the others. Carl reveals that the others work on the Hydra Island, but live on the main island. The next morning, Sawyer finds Carl crying in the jungle. Carl says that he is crying because he misses Alex. Sawyer asks Carl if he's in love, which Carl affirms to be true. Sawyer tells him that love is worth the risks of getting caught by the others and lets Carl go into the jungle to find Alex. Back on Hydra Island, Jack is put into a bear cage and notices a handcuffed Juliet being led to his old prison. She visits him later and tells Jack to treat Ben's back, which has become infected, but Jack refuses. Juliet also explains that she's in trouble with the others for killing Pickett. Later, Sheriff Isabel uh, arrives at the cage and discusses Jack's tattoo with him, as she can read Chinese. Isabel brings him to a room where Juliet is being held and asks him whether Juliet told him to kill Ben or not. Jack lies and says that she did not and is brought back to his cage. He is visited by Cindy Chandler and the previously kidnapped members of the tail section. Cindy starts to ask Jack questions, saying that they are here to watch, but he angrily sends her away. Alex visits Jack later and tells him that the others are planning to execute Juliet. Alex helps him escape from his cage, and they go to Ben, who writes a note, sparing Juliet in return for Jack's continuing to be Ben's doctor. The two then go to a trial, the others are holding for Juliet, but Alex gives Isabel Ben's note, which says Juliet is not to be executed, she is to be marked instead. And Juliet later asks Jack why he helped her, and replies that it is because Ben said he would let both of them off the island if he wants to make that happen by working together. In the end of the episode, Jack and the others travel back to the main island on a boat. Just before leaving, Isabel translates Jack's tattoo. He walks amongst us, but he is not one of us. Jack replies, that's what they say, but it's not what they mean. So with that, let's now jump into my thoughts about this episode. This, the low point of the series. 
And I must say, the stink of it was not quite as present uh, on this rewatch. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. A, expectations were appropriately low. Uh, B, I'm, you know, one click away from watching the next episode. I'm, you know, one click away from watching the previous episode. So it's not this notion of we get 42 minutes of Lost every week. And so each one must be precious. This is a bit, you know, it can be the can be the rotten egg in the bunch, and then there's 11 others that are still uh, pleasant. That said, no question as we go through this episode, just a useless flashback. Um, as I said before, I think that the plan behind this episode was to have a bad episode so that they could go to ABC and just say, this, you know, this is why we need change. This is, you know, there's a problem here and we need to, we need to, to address it in terms of having a final plan for the show. But anyway, let's jump into the episode, shall we? Uh, it's a tidy previously on Lost showing Sawyer escaping. The episode proper opens with Sawyer and Kate making their way back to the main island. And Sawyer is singing that sea chanty from Jaws, uh, which of course is showing his sense of irony. Uh, doubly so, since I'm sure you know the discussion of the shark has been had by all. Uh, also, of course, is showing his film knowledge. Uh, there's discussion about going back, and, and that's interrupted by an awakening Carl who delivers the line, God loved us as he loved Jacob, something that was seen briefly two episodes ago in uh, an Easter egg, of course, in that brainwashing room 13. Also, you know, a bit of a hint as well, you know, Jacob means something to them, and, and you can't help but look back and say, you know, my goodness, there are these references to Jacob in in the third season here. Um... With that, we cut to Jack, still in his cell under the sea. Tom comes in, telling him that he's going to move him, and Jack misreads it, although understandably so. Someplace else, Jack. Why? (laughs) So this is it, huh? It? You just helped me save his life. If you're going to kill me, please at least show me the respect of not calling it moving. Now, why would we kill you? Because you're done with me. What kind of people do you think we are, Jack? Oh, I don't know, Tom. The kind of people that would take a pregnant woman, would hang Charlie from a tree, would drag our people out of the jungle, would kidnap children. That's the kind of people I think you are. Now, is that a bit of a recap? I suppose it is. You know, that's something I've been critical about in the past. However, it is spot-on perfect. It's a reminder of who these people are and how they've acted since day one of the crash, despite the fact that here they are appearing appearing clean-shaven, properly dressed, using technology, using all the niceties of society. Anyhow, with that, Jack is taken out in cuffs, and rather surprisingly, he passes Juliet, who apparently is getting his old prison cell. There's a quick shot of that new, slightly older blonde woman heading towards Tom. We'll learn later, of course, that Sheriff Isabel. And uh, at this point, everything definitely feels in flux as the teaser ends. And after the, the act break, though, sadness. We're in flashback. It's Thailand. Life is difficult. We know where this is headed. This is not. This is not going to go well for us. Jack is living a happy uh, life, living on the beach, drinking beer, making a kite 
go fly up where the air is bright. Then Bai Ling playing Achara. She shows up. Bai Ling, who of course is most famous for a couple of things. Famous for not being in a Star Wars movie. Her scene was cut. Famous for having appeared in Playboy, though marginally so. Mostly famous for having had her scene in Star Wars cut after appearing in Playboy, although George Lucas says the two aren't connected. Her scene here, it's an odd little scene with no dialogue initially. Uh, and then the nice introduction between the two of them. It's visually nice with Chiquino's music playing happiness and sunshine and warm wind. Although it's kind of slightly unbelievable. Who gets help putting together a kite than getting it in the air with no words? Even if there is a language barrier, which P.S. there isn't. Flashback ends and Jack's in the bear cages. An improvement. It's Sawyer's bear cage to be exact since we get a brief shot of the bear food button. Jack give, uh, pardon me, Tom gives Jack lunch and then uh, gives lots of exposition about the mystery woman being the sheriff because Juliet did a bad thing. The scene wraps up and the moles are on Tom's face, by the way, are particularly obvious as he's lit from his left. Ah, HD, you are a cruel, cruel master. That's the depths that we go to in this episode to discuss the actor's moles. That we cut to uh, Sawyer and Kate landing. Uh, they, of course, won't keep going to camp because it's getting dark. You know, God forbid we have any sort of wrap-up of this Hydra story. The first six episodes, which actually now spill over to nine episodes. At the conclusion of this episode, we leave Hydra Island. You know, how they pace that. I don't, I, I don't know what the decision was to pace it like this. If you knew you were going to have six episodes on, then a long break. Why not make that the Hydra bit? You know, we're still there. We want to get back to where the show was. People on the, you know, pe- people at camp searching for the smoke monster. That's kind of people's desire, whether that's where the show necessarily wants to go or it's the best place or whatever. But anyhow, so we cut to Sawyer and Kate Landing. Uh, with Carl awake, we get more exposition, but this time it's more of a revelatory variety. That island we were on, is that where your people live? It's just where we work. Work on what? Projects. Oh, sure. Like to steal a kid off the raft project? That was a humdinger. So you don't actually live on that island? Nope. Do you live here? On this island? Yes, ma'am. And what did you do with the people that you took? The kids. We give them a better life. Better than what? Better than yours. There's not going to be any moon tonight. It'll be dark. Me and Alex used to lie in my backyard at night, make up names for the constellations. You can't see it yet, but right there will be Ursa Theodorus. Teddy bear. You have backyards? Yeah. Well, ain't that quaint. It's lots of ground covered quickly where the others work, where they live, what their goals are, albeit vaguely, uh, or the goals are for, for the children that they take. Um, 
that said, you know, it's a tidy scene. It's 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 sharing uh, some information. It's giving us some answers that we always search for, uh, even though you know a lot of it we really know about. I, I think you could probably, if you wanted to be strict, you could make the argument that this scene doesn't do anything for us as an audience, particularly since it's kind of repeated again on Hydra Island that they're going to wrap up in Vamoosh and go back home. Um, so if that's one of the sins of the episode, so be it. Anyhow, back to Jack and the bear cages. We, of course, are sick of the bear cages at this point. Jack is uh, fiddling once, twice with the bear button, and before that third try, before shocking hilarity, Juliet is let out with news that Ben's stitches are infected. Uh, then there's some more exposition f- uh, from character to character, as in not from the character to the audience, which is how exposition should be. I don't mean, of course, that the audience uh, is addressed by the character, but there should be, you know, on CSI, you know, when they say the test results are in, it appears Jimmy didn't do it. They're actually telling us. Here, there's just kind of discussion back and forth of stuff that we know about. It's between them, not between us. In fact, you know, Juliet explains that she's killed someone. We know that she's in trouble. We know. At that, uh, the fact that Jack refuses to help her, we should know that because we're only in the second act and it's far too early for him to solve the day. Anyhow, second act ends. We, uh, after the act break, we flash back to Jack in Thailand with Bai Ling and her awful, awful English. Uh, she also has those feather extensions in her hair, the ones that are much more popular now. P.S. They look as silly then as they do now. Um, there's lots of dialogue in the scene meant to be filled with meaning. Jack, you're here in Thailand to find yourself, aren't you? Because dot, 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 you're an American. Wow, gee whiz, Jack's on a journey of self-discovery. We should be amazed. This is a big, you know, it's like that Sawyer flashback. Sawyer's in prison. (gasps) Sawyer cons someone. With that, back to present day, uh, Sheriff Isabel appears to read Jack's tattoo. They talk about uh, its meaning and its irony while, wait for it, dancing around the topic of what it actually means. Oh boy, it's going to be great when they tell us. It's going to be filled with meaning, isn't it? No. Sheriff Izzy takes Jack in for questioning while passing Alex, who looks forlorn and rather deferential. I'll say the, you know, kind of one positive thing about the episode. The actress playing the sheriff gives the character lots of authority. Granted, her smoker voice helps, although smoking is bad. Uh, the other actors certainly portray a, a, a sacredness around her. Anyhow, the questions to Jack are concerning Juliet's guilt. Jack predictably but heroically and wisely lies, saying that uh, the kill Ben in surgery uh, statement of his was a way of just getting his friends out. As the sheriff gives Jack a hard time, her face really is perfect. It's slightly pointed eyebrows, blonde hair that frames her face and somehow makes it look harder. Uh, she gets uh, that face of hers close to Jack's, asking him why he's cover, why she's, uh, pardon me, why he is covering for Juliet. Jack, of course, is everyone to fight the good fight, and he still re- realizes that he's in charge of what he says. He's in the driver's seat here. 
despite being the prisoner, and he simply asks to be returned to his cage, giving the sense that he's content to go uh, to his animal den of a home instead of helping the sheriff. And indeed, that statement, I'd like to go back to my cage now, is what ends the act. After the commercial break, sleeping Thailand Jack has a visit from Bai Ling, who undresses and starts to smooch him, and he calls her kisses salty. She says that she went swimming in the ocean. I can think of an alternative that would cause that. There are bits of dialogue about how he's uh, been there a month. Time is passing by. And about how Jack cannot understand the things going on and how she has a gift. They then roll around on the bed and off it. I suppose it's all supposed to be lusty, but it's also rather ham-handed. And the flashback ends with, let's not ask questions. Let's have fun. That's actually perhaps one of the most wise things that the episode says. It's a good lesson for this episode, perhaps. that Let's just try and have fun with it and really not ask any questions. Here's the problem. Lost is a show where you're supposed to ask questions, and it's not always fun. It's where people die. What are, the, what are the top episodes? The constant where people don't spend time together with the people that they love. You know, well, some of the shocking episodes. Boone dies. You know, uh, the finale. Everybody dies. You know, there, rarely is there happiness and often are there questions. But anyhow. Back to Hydra Island. The bear cages. Jack awakens to a crowd of clean, well-off looking uh, others looking at him. And I was rather reminded of the Twilight Zone episode, People Are Alike All Over. Uh, This is where NASA guys crash on Mars. The surviving one is put in a lovely 1960s home to live in the lap of luxury until his living room wall opens up to reveal that he's in a zoo. The sign reads something like, Earth Creature in His Natural Environment. Anyhow, there's kind of that vibe there where they're all just kind of staring at the man they caught. Jack yells at them. They back away, as one does to a roaring lion at the zoo. Well, of course, except for one person. Do I... Do I know you? Age 15, you... You were the stewardess. Cindy. What are you doing here with them? I thought you were taken. You were, you were captured. They're not, um, it's not that simple. What are they doing here right now? What are you doing here? We're here to watch, Jack. Watch what? What is that, sweetheart? She, she wants to know how Anna Lucia is doing. Are you serious? What? If you've got something to watch, Cindy, go watch it! Go! It's a great touch bringing Cindy back just for a bit of dialogue. Uh, certainly, you know, it's a question out there. What do they do with, with, with Cindy and for them to have revealed that what did they do? They gave her nice clothes. They gave her, you know, shower facilities, food, water, etc. It's a, it's a nice, uh, callback to that character. 
as well as, uh, of course, it's nice to see the two young children in her charge. If nothing else, Lost keeps track of those minor characters. At this point, the scene changes to Kate and Sawyer waking up and finding <gasps> Carl is gone. But it's not some plot of the others. He's just crying in the jungle over the loss of his lady. It's an amusing Sawyer scene, punching Carl for him to cowboy up, uh, trying pop culture references that Carl hasn't experienced in his sad pop culturalist life. It's also a bit heartfelt, as Sawyer reveals that for all the girls he's been with, there are always one or two Sally Slingshots, a.k.a. Alex, meaning the women who are worth it. He counsels Carl to go back and be with her, and the scene has a vague sense of two different characters put together in order to fill time, which is ultimately what this episode's about, right? It's filling time for ABC until the network committed to an endgame. The story moves on to Sally Slingshot, or Alex rather, uh, smashing the camera that watches the bear cage, and she asks Jack why uh, he saved uh, Ben. Jack's first observation, you're his daughter? Really, thanks, Jack. Thanks, Lost. Thanks for reminding us of that. I had forgotten. Alex then expositions the fairly obvious. Juliet is going to be found guilty, and the punishment is an eye for an eye. Juliet will be put to death. With that, Jack uh, knows the act is ending, so he asks, is Ben in charge? Yes. Then get me out of this cage. After the act break, uh, infected Ben is just about to be stuck with a big needle, but Jack appears. There's a great line uh, as to uh, uh, the cavalry having just arrived, as well as reference uh, being made to the fact that they used to have a surgeon of Jack's caliber, or at least close to it, and that that was Ethan. Jack then delivers the bad news. Ben's infection is serious, and he's in grave trouble without a doctor. Jack offers up medical care to spare Juliet's life. Ben rather foreshadowingly says that uh, she doesn't care for Jack, that she's, quote, one of us. Uh, ben, how wrong you can be. At any rate, Ben commits to the deal. The scene wraps up with Ben asking if Isabel has a walkie-talkie. Alex says they're already in the meeting. Ben ends the scene by saying, then get me something to write with. Which you would think, as a side note, Ben would know better, and he should uh, phrase it, then get me uh, something with which to write. But I suppose since he does have a grave infection, we'll let it go. At any rate, this kind of whole notion, you know, get me something to write with, it kind of summarizes the whole episode. It's imbued with this air of importance, but it's just kind of vapor without substance. Uh, the story moves to Jack's flashback, a scene that benefits from Byling being dressed like a streetwalker. At least she has that going for her in this episode. Uh, at this point, Jack is clearly on her tail, following her. Unlike <laughs> previous scenes where he was on her tail in a different way, no doubt. Anyway, at least this is familiar Jack territory. He's sullen, judgmental, controlling. All this what he does with women, no less. Then at this point, uh, there's a semi-reveal. She has a gift not to tattoo, not to decorate, but to define people, to see who they are. Jack asks if she sees who he is, while pushing her into a bookcase. 
and the look that she gives him at that point. And I hope this isn't a misogynistic uh, interpretation on my part, but she looks both afraid and aroused. Her verdict, he's a great leader, lonely and angry. Then Jack starts demanding. Now put it on me. Put it on me. No, this... This is against my people. Consequences, Jack. There always are. You know, there's a weird, uncomfortable sexuality to this scene, particularly with all that heavy breathing on Jack's part. And I don't know if it's just, you know, kind of based on just having the audio at this point or or whatnot, but very, very strange. And of course, it's, you know, the return of sullen Jack. There's a close-up of her preparing the old-school tattoo tools above his arm. Uh, there's a whoosh that starts to end the flashback. Then right as she hits him with that first tap of the tattoo tool, we're back on Hydra Island with a close-up uh, slow-motion shot of Jack's completed tattoo. Uh, ironically, Jack is once again doing all this because of a lady, all this running. It's also ironic or just irritating that uh, in the next scene... The sheriff seems to speak in rather the same slow motion that we started the scene with. Jack? What the hell did you bring him here for? Let him go, Tom. What's going on, Alex? Doesn't Sheriff Izzy just sound a little loopy? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. Another strange imperfect layer to this episode um at any rate at that point exposition continues and uh the sheriff tells all that uh, juliet won't be executed but will be quote marked hey an episode about tattooing get it it's not just jack that gets a tattoo it's kind of uh juliet as well da 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 act break then flashback and uh, Jack is strolling out of his uh, beach hut again, ready to fly his kite again and buy a beer from Beer Boy again. But uh, the boy runs off and a gang approaches him, including Bai Ling's brother. Uh, they look at his tattoo and beat him, then order him to leave the beach and the country. Poor Jackie boy. His poor treatment of women has gotten him in trouble again and again. Flashback ends with Juliet, kind of vaguely worse for her wear, uh, bringing Jack grilled cheese, the kind with toothpicks. Har har. Uh, her marking is a star-shaped brand on the small of her back, and she shows it to him. I wonder if perhaps that's some sort of vague mating thing. You know, let me show you my my behind as as the red-bottomed baboons do. But anyhow, uh, Jack looks uh, tender and concerned as he orders Juliet to go get some aloe for him to lovingly rub on her back. I have to say, though, uh, in a bit more seriousness, the makeup on Juliet's face, particularly under her eyes, it really sells the lengthy battle that she's been through. 
Uh, and then we have some really, really trite dialogue. Why did you help me? He told you he was going to let you go home. He told me the same thing. We're going to make sure he keeps his word. And how are we going to do that? Together. Aw, together. Together. Aw. There's then further dialogue about how everyone is leaving Hydra Island to go home. With that, we then cut to Sawyer and Kate. He says he's cut Carl loose, and Kate counters with, Should I walk ten feet behind you? It's an odd girl power play here. Aside from Sawyer refusing to paddle back from camp in one day, which is the right decision, lest you crash in the middle of the night, you know, he really hasn't been pushing the man-controls-woman card that much that I can think of. Certainly not this season. Anyhow, with that, we go back to Jack and the others getting ready to leave, and we get the great payoff of the episode. He walks amongst us, but he is not one of us. Your tattoos, that's what they say. That's what they say. It's not what they mean. What? What? He walks among us, but not one of us? But that's not what it means? What does that mean? I mean... That's not a great payoff. At all. There's the flop of the episode happening. With that, we cut the Sawyer and Kate in slow motion, where apparently it's nighttime after A, waking up in the morning... B, talking to Carl, and C, letting him go. Just to review, woke up, talked to Carl, let him go, it's nighttime. Further proof of the sloppiness of the episode. With that, the Giacchino montage continues. At least his music now is improving things, isn't it? Rather like an air freshener in a bathroom. Uh, So the Giacchino montage continues with Carl looking up at the stars, then Alex looking up at the stars... Then the boat taking Juliet and Jack back to the main island. Finally, finally, after nine episodes, the Hydra storyline is over. The episode concludes on this point, and we can certainly hope and pray that ahead of us, there's, there's better stuff. Indeed there is. I mean, the thought, this ultimately is a good, it's a good season, despite its flaws. And I think at this point, we start to leave the flaws behind us. Let's now take a look here at Lostpedia for the little bits and pieces I might have missed. Lostpedia notes that this is the last Jack-centric flashback episode that is uh, centric solely to Jack. Although it could be argued that 316 contains one long flashback instead of a flash forward, his only other flashbacks, uh, his only other flashback is the Jacob-centric incident, part one. Also from Lostpedia. It says that Jack's tattoo does not literally translate to he walks amongst us, but he is not one of us, as Isabel explains. Instead, it translates correctly in Chinese to eagle's high, cleaving sky. They also mention, of course, the tattoo is a real one owned by the actor. I don't know who else would be owning it if it's real, guys. Um, 
in the flashback, just as Achara is about to tattoo him and he is shirtless, the tattoo appears to either be covered up or perhaps for the scene, the film was horizontally flipped in editing, which is a fair observation, I suppose. Lostpedia goes on to say there are several references to the stars uh, with Carl and Alex's constellations, Juliet's star brand, and stars on Jack's tattoo. Further, ironically, in an episode that's considered to be among the worst, if not the worst, this is one of the most trivia-filled, uh, they say that this is the first Jack flashback episode where Christian Shepard does not appear. This is also the first Jack-centric episode since all the best cowboys have daddy issues where Sarah Shepard does not appear. Sarah would appear for the final time in the next Jack-centric episode. Last but not least, we can... Uh, end the trivia with a note from Lindelof himself who says uh, the episode fans bring up most often as a bad one is Stranger in a Strange Land which is the episode with Bai Ling and Jack and his tattoos and basically I feel like it is unfair to bag on that episode am I a huge fan of it? No but at the same time there were so many different circumstances that led to that episode that needed to be written and so many ideas that didn't work the fact that it all coalesced there was a bad casting decision made. There was a bad premise made. There was a bad flashback story. Just everything that could go wrong did, but I don't think that it was because the script was terrible. I suppose he's fair to a point. I mean, it's not as awful as I remember it. It's just tremendously unsatisfying, you know, in a, in a show where it's all about getting to know these people and caring for these people, and then the surprising twists and turns and this has none of it. It has, essentially, it's an epilogue to the Hydra story. It's a useless Jack flashback. It's, you know, the what, the entire Kate and Sawyer story is an excuse for them to not get back, right? Well, if they're not going to get back, how about you just have Carl in the boat say, I want to get back to my lady, have that discussion there in one or two scenes, drop him off, and on you go. It, there's just there's a weight to this episode that it gives itself that it does not have which i'll mention is a tad ironic just having done the last episode uh for the season if not the series for the alcatraz podcast i can't help but notice or can't help but think this episode was written co-written by elizabeth sarnoff whose post lost uh fortune if you want to call it that was to be uh executive producer co-creator and showrunner of Alcatraz and about six episodes in she got canned um, and, and you know, some of the decisions that she made for that show are things that they then reversed so maybe Elizabeth Sarnoff you know maybe it's not that the script is terrible maybe a lot of the sin lies on your ability to shepherd a story from the scripting process to the final stage and perhaps that's a bit pointed although I doubt Ms. Sarnoff is listening. So on that rather frowny-faced note, we do have something to look forward to. It's next week, episode 310, and a favorite, Trisha Tanaka is dead. Get to see more Hurley, more Hurley flashback. Good stuff ahead. The rough seas are behind us. And, uh, well, if you'd like to share feedback, you can say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. Call the listener line, 732-707-1815. Send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. Or leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. 
So thank you for listening as always. I know this was a tad shorter podcast. There was just less here. A lot of it really was slogging through. Not that it wasn't fun, but it wasn't great. It wasn't weighty stuff. It wasn't the show at its best. So thank you again for listening. Be safe and talk to you all again next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.